0: to start off by doing something a little bit different than usual so hang with me for a moment the great lakes the grand canyon niagara falls the pacific ocean the rocky mountains sequoia national park the atlantic ocean The Caribbean Sea. How many of you have been fortunate to visit at least one of those places in your lifetime? The vast majority of us. If you are like me, my heart starts to beat a little bit faster when I think about time that I've spent in those places. Every time I go to the ocean, I'm blown away as I stand there and gaze at water that extends far beyond what my eyes can see. Any beach lovers out there? Four. Bull. Every time I go to, I've been to Niagara Falls a few times, the roaring sound of 3,000 tons of water per second crashing over is overwhelming. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. It's breathtaking. And the places that I listed, these are just some of the beautiful, more extreme, popular places on our continent only. I left out all the beautiful scenery in Europe, South America, Africa, Australia, I left out the places, just small things in our daily lives, the beauty of a sunrise, a sunset, flowers, trees, the list goes on. All of these are glimpses of God's glory and of what awaits us in the life to come. Our hearts yearn for beauty and they yearn for wonder and these places and things allow us to experience those and all of them are a simple taste of eternity. In the past several weeks, if you've been joining us, we have been diving into this topic of eternity through our series, All Things New. Um, We've looked at how our present reality will never be what our hearts long for, because this is not the home that we were created for. We talked about how many of us lack vision for what awaits us in eternity, Um, we've hit a little bit on the biblical teaching that God is going to one day restore this planet physically and that we will reside here on what scripture calls a new earth that we can hope and long for. And I'm going to tell you guys right now to get ready, okay? Because we're going to talk about some things that I would guess you've probably never heard mentioned in a sermon or discussed in any type of church setting. So, we're going to go ahead and dive in. So, if you've got a Bible out or your Bible app, open with me to Mark 10. If you're using a Pew Bible, I think it's page 920. Mark 10, verses 13 through 16. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. This is such a beautiful story of Jesus interacting with small children. And when Jesus says, truly, I tell you, if you didn't know, we should pay attention, okay? Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And this might not come as much of a surprise to you, But the older we get, if you didn't know, the more that we tend to lose our sense of wonder. Okay? The older we get, the more we tend to lose our sense of wonder. Think about the ability of toddlers and young children to wonder. They live in a constant state of being fascinated with beauty, curiosity, and imagination. Our oldest child, her name is McKenna. She's three years old. She is really into her clothes right now, okay? So it's not uncommon. This actually happened this morning at 5.30. Um, she gets up at about 5.45, and I go in the room, half asleep, and one of the first things she always says is, Daddy, Daddy, I want to wear that dress. Like, okay. So I put that dress on, and she goes, Oh, I love it. It's so pretty. Daddy, I am so pretty. Thank you, Daddy. When's the last time you opened your closet, looked at a shirt, and said, man, that's amazing? (laughs) It's probably been a while, huh? It's probably been a minute since that was your reaction to one of your outfits. My daughters love fairy tales. They love fairy tales. They get lost in the stories of Elsa and Anna and Frozen. And Rapunzel entangled, Moana, Arlo the good dinosaur, you name it, they're probably into it. Somewhere along the way, as we age, we lose our sense of wonder, most of us. Maybe the pain we've experienced in life makes us cynical or apathetic. Perhaps we take ourselves way too seriously. We feel that we don't have time for childish nonsense. Maybe our pursuit of wealth leaves us with no time to wonder, to dream, to imagine. Whatever the reason, a major part of having a childlike heart means to be filled with wonder, to be blown away by beauty and goodness. It means to delight in the stories, in the music, in the delicious foods that God has gifted us with as his creatures. It means to be in awe of God's creation and to be swept away by his beautiful story of extravagant grace. In his book, All Things New, that we've quoted from some, um, John Eldridge actually talks about fairy tales and um, how fairy tales actually help us understand a little bit what the new earth will be like when compared to the present earth that we live in. It's kind of awkward to do this. Here's what he said. Narnia, Middle-earth, Pandora, Tatooine, they are all new worlds and yet not entirely new. There are trees and streams, deserts and animals like enough to our own world to be familiar, yet different enough to be enchanting. And that word enchanting means to fill someone with great delight. G.K. Chesterton believed that this was the secret to romance, the blend of the familiar and the new, to be at once astonished at the world and yet at home in it. He felt the reason every age still reads fairy tales is actually not to escape our world, but to re-enchant it. These tales say that apples were golden only to refresh the forgotten moment when we found that they were green. They make rivers run with wine only to make us remember for one wild moment that they run with water or run with the water of life a few weeks ago bob asked you guys um, if this concept of heaven coming to earth and us living here physically on a renewed earth he asked if that was a new concept to some of you two people raised their hand i'm here to call you out and say you guys are liars okay I've been to church my whole life. I have attended thousands of church services. I went to a Christian school for 12 years. I earned a master's degree in theology. Never, ever did anybody in any of those settings say anything to me about a new earth. Ever. It was never discussed, never talked about. I was told that heaven was a place that I would go to far beyond the clouds. And that's where I would spend eternity and it sounded okay, right? No pain. I was, I was on board with that. And there's parts of it that were true. It's just not the complete story. When we die, yes, we will go to heaven. But we must think of it as a layover. Okay? Think of it as a flight layover, if you will. The ultimate promise that God has given us where we'll spend eternity is actually here on this planet. As described in Revelation 21, it says that God will make his dwelling place with us here on earth, but it will be a new earth, a new world. It will be completely made new in all its beauty and majesty. It will be the garden of Eden fully restored, and we will get to live in it and delight in it forever. It is what all of our hearts long for. It's what all of us long for. It's why C.S. Lewis said, if we find ourselves unsatisfied by everything in this world, the only probable explanation must be that we were made for another world. Indeed, we were. Lewis was right. The new earth is that other world. Take a moment and think about your favorite stories. Just think about it. Your favorite movie, favorite book, book series you've ever read. Ones that just make your heart feel alive. All of those were created by sinful men, sinful women, flawed human beings. God is the giver of creativity. He gives us the ability to dream, to wonder, to imagine. Don't believe for one second that the most beautiful story you've ever heard is going to outdo what God has planned for his children in all of eternity. The stories that we love won't even come close to what God has planned for those who love him. And it's why the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians, no ear has heard, no eye has seen, no mind can imagine what God has planned for those who love him. It's going to be epic, epic beyond imagination. And guys, I will be honest, kind of like Bob said a few weeks ago, prior to this series and really this week preparing this sermon, I had, I have zero eternal imagination. Zero, none. I never really thought about eternity, what that would look like, what I would do. Um, But as I've studied how God intends to renew all things, it has given me so much joy as I have a much better idea now of what is to come and what awaits me and really all of us. And here's the interesting thing. Nothing in my life has changed. My circumstances are exactly the same as they were two weeks ago, four weeks ago, a couple months ago. I still have to change lots of poopy diapers. On a daily basis, I have responsibilities as a husband, a father, a pastor. But simply thinking about how I will one day live on a restored new earth in the presence of Jesus has made my hope, joy, grow and just deepen immensely. It's hard to have hope in something you don't understand. And even if you understand it, it's hard to have hope if you never think about it, if it never occupies your mind or any of your time. So not only has my understanding grown of what we can look forward to as followers of Jesus, but the fact that I'm studying, I'm I'm curious, I'm in awe of heaven and earth emerging as laid out in scripture, it has filled my heart with joy that extends far beyond my present circumstances. How many of you guys remember, this was pretty cool, I think it was five years ago. So if you're new to Wellspring, you're not going to remember this. We did a practice as a church where every time we would experience something beautiful, we asked you guys to post on social media, hashtag Behold Wellspring. Anybody? Okay, 10 people? Okay, so we got some new people here apparently. So I remember walking out of Target one night, and I was in the parking lot, and the sunset was just gorgeous. I mean, it was beautiful. I literally, it stopped me in my tracks. I just stopped walking and just stared at the sunset, snapped a picture of it, posted it on Facebook. It was a beautiful moment. Those little moments always fill our hearts with gratitude and praise to God because creation always points to the creator. These, these moments are just little glimpses of God's glory and of what is to come. And guys, here's what I want you to understand. I don't think most Christians really get this. And listen up, because it's amazing. When our physical bodies have been resurrected, and we are residing here on a renewed earth in the presence of Jesus, every moment will be a hashtag behold moment. Think about that. It won't just be here and now. Every now and then, every waking moment will be a behold moment where we are in awe of God's glory glory beauty and power think of your favorite places on earth to visit okay wherever that might be maybe it's one of those places i've listed some of you are thinking now imagine being there with the people closest to your heart in the background you're hearing the most beautiful music you've ever heard you're enjoying a meal prepared by chef god almighty and to top it all off this is all happening in the presence of jesus He's standing next to you, smiling and delighting over you as you're soaking in and enjoying the life that he has blessed you with. Can you imagine? That's what we have to look forward to. So I want to stop. I know I'm dreaming a lot and we're talking about what's to come. I'd love to just hear before we even go on, as you hear me talking about these things, just what's kind of stirring in your heart? Some of you are just smiling big time, like what is resonating in you as you think about this new earth that we have to look forward to as laid out in Scripture? Anybody? It doesn't have to be a long answer. What's just kind of resonating in your heart? We're a smaller group, so I need a few people here. Anybody? Oh, Stacy, yes. sure yeah she's saying it's almost kind of inconceivable when she has those behold moments because you know in five or ten minutes they're often taken away it's hard to imagine what that will be like every moment yeah anyone else oh rob way back there sure yeah he's saying maybe there's a little bit of rewiring to go on in his mind rather than viewing this as a eternal vacation which a lot of us kind of bob said is we viewed it as like Floating on clouds or playing harps. I mean, that's really the message I was taught my whole life growing up in the church, unfortunately. Eternity was really watered down and didn't spark much life in me whatsoever. I was listening to a sermon by uh, Tim Keller this past week, and he was talking about eternity. And he was talking about just how this concept, this belief of the new earth has given Christians hope for centuries, especially Christians that have just endured unimaginable suffering. And he went on and talked about how um, in Europe, many of the Christians of the early church, how some of them were just violently torn apart and eaten by lions for entertainment for people in the Roman Colosseum, if you didn't know that. And he, he, he talked about, he said, the only possible way that they could willingly endure such horrible things was having hope in what was to come. I mean, there's no other explanation of why you would go through something like that. He talked about how um, many of just the African slaves and ancestors that were brought over to North America and just the brutal lives that most of them experienced. Um, and I've never really thought of this. He talked about um, um, Negro spirituals and how that is a genre of music that was birthed from the African slaves and how they would sing while working the cotton fields or even while they were some of them were beaten Um and their music Keller said as their lyrics have often been described as otherworldly otherworldly and i just like yeah it would have to how else would they find hope in the midst of agonizing circumstances they had to have hope that extended far beyond this present world they longed for the new earth to be with the lord forever and their lyrics speak to where their hope was found Check out what the message translation has to say of um, Romans 8, if we have that. It's kind of long, bear with me. It says this resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a child like. What's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who He is, and we know who we are, father and children. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with him. That's why I don't think there's any comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. The created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. Everything in creation is more or less held back. God reigns it in until both creation and all the creatures are ready and can be released at the same moment into the glorious times ahead. Meanwhile, the joyful anticipation deepens. One translation of verse 18 says, this might be one you're more familiar with, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Another translation calls our sufferings light and momentary. Now, we've got to talk about who's writing this, okay? And what is the context going on here? So, this is the Apostle Paul writing, saying that our sufferings on earth are light and momentary. If you didn't know, Paul endured some suffering, okay? We know he was, let's see here, we got all kinds of stuff. He was thrown in prison multiple times, beaten with rods and whips, Multiple times, pelted with stones, shipwrecked. We know he spent an open day and an open night in the sea. I don't know if he just treaded water. I don't know how that worked out. That probably was not fun. We know one story where he was stoned so bad that they drug his body out of the city and left him for dead because they literally thought he was dead. And that's a short list of some of the things he went through, his hardships. So for Paul to call that light, okay, and momentary and compared to what's to come, we got something good ahead of us, people, okay? We have something beautiful and incredible on the other side of this life as we know it. I got another slide I want to show you guys. This is by um, a well-known Christian author, Randy Alcorn. He said, here's a question. How long will it take living with God on the new earth before you say, at last, all that suffering was worth it? Five seconds? Five minutes? five years? Maybe you're a pessimist and you think it would take 500 years before it would be worth it. Well, fine, Eeyore. After 500 years, you'll have an eternity of unending, God-centered happiness in front of you, paid for by the shed blood of God. Can you think of anything better? An eternity of unending, God-centered happiness. Happiness. It makes all the sense in the world why Satan, the great liar and deceiver, would try to downplay what God has planned for us beyond this life. Think about it. If he can trick us into believing, which he has many of us, that heaven is nothing more than floating on clouds, then he knows we will get sucked into the lie that this life is all we have to be adventurous and to live it up, so he knows we'll chase money status, comfort, and will waste this life. What we believe about eternal life profoundly impacts the way that we live this life. That's why it's critical we understand what heaven on earth, the new earth, will be like. Pastor John MacArthur said, Heaven is a realm of unsurpassed joy, unfading glory, undiminished bliss, unlimited delights and unending pleasures i'll take that all all day every day right yes lord amen i want to read just one more quote here from this book this is um eldridge just kind of dreaming you know none of us know exactly what it's going to be like just kind of dreaming of what the new earth will be like he says what will waterfalls be like in the new earth What of giant sequoias or tender wildflowers? What will rain be like? And think of your special places. Imagine what it will be like to see them in their glory. How sweet it will be to revisit treasured nooks um, and vistas, gardens, and swimming holes again and see them as they truly are, unveiled, everything God meant them to be. Part of what makes the wonder so precious is that while it is a new world, it is our world, The world dearest to our hearts. Romance at its best. Is talking about this making your heart beat just a little faster? Filling you with joy and some longing? I sure hope so. Because it's what we have to look forward to. It's the life God intended in the Garden of Eden. And it's what is waiting for us one day. And something that came up in my sermon preparation this week, was the topic of heaven and animals. And just the question, will there be animals on the new earth? And that question is often dismissed, I've done it myself, as theologically childish. Thankfully, the creator God disagrees strongly. May we not forget heaven is coming here. We will reside on this planet But it will be renewed and perfect. And Eldridge said, How could a creative God renew his precious earth and not fill it with a renewed animal kingdom? That would be like a school without children, a village without people. Revelation 19 says that Jesus and his armies of heaven are going to ride to earth on horses. Jesus and the armies of heaven are coming to earth riding white horses. Isaiah 11 says, If you don't believe me, look it up. It says that the new earth will have lambs, wolves, lions, leopards, cows, bears, cubs, and snakes. And that's not an exhaustive list, okay? Scripture actually says on the new earth, get this. It says that the infant will play near the cobra's den. The young child will put its hand in the viper's nest, and they will neither harm nor destroy. That's in the Bible. I'm not making this up. Can you imagine no snake bites like crazy we can't even fathom what is to come it's beyond imaginable no pain no suffering incredible and you guys want to know what I was thinking about as I was writing this sermon are there going to be dinosaurs in heaven and I'm serious I'm serious I freaking love dinosaurs I really do I'm so fascinated with them. I think it would be an out-of-this-world experience to see them face-to-face. So I did a little digging. took five seconds. There's actually a fair amount of content on this. Randy Alcorn said, Dinosaurs were part of God's original creation, and we should fully expect that extinct animals will be brought back to life on a renewed earth. Holy cow. Even if you disagree with it, just imagine standing in front of a T-Rex. Imagine walking in a field and a pterodactyl comes soaring over you. Can you imagine? (laughs) Praise God that animals will be part of the new earth and that we will be partners together, basking in the glory and worshiping our creative, powerful, heavenly Father. The Grand Canyon, Elsa, Moana, Narnia, cobras, pterodactyls, I told y'all you're going to hear some crazy stuff today. This sermon was a trip to write. It was a blast. It's overwhelming, but it's the good kind of overwhelming, right? The kind that makes you feel alive, fully alive. And something that I want to be clear on, guys, is is that we cannot ignore the fact that this life is difficult, okay? Okay? I'm not trying to downplay that at all. Nobody with a brain would argue that. We've all experienced hurt and heartache. I don't think Paul, every time he was being beat, I don't think he was thinking about eternity every waking second. Sure, some, but he, he was living in his suffering. He was present in the pain. But the key is we must have one eye here, and one eye on eternity. And I've lived 99.9% of my life with both eyes here, never thinking about what God had planned for me, therefore diminishing my joy and diminishing my hope of what I could look forward to. Suffering is part of our current reality. There's no denying that, but we must filter everything that we go through with the belief of what's to come, which is in eternity in the presence of God compared to our short suffering on this earth. We are called to bring God's kingdom here. That's a concept most of you know. You've heard that many times. And so I want to ask a question kind of as we come to a close today. I want your thoughts on that. What does it look like to bring God's kingdom here? What would it look like to bring what we're hoping for to the present to the here and now, practically, how do we go about doing that? What do you guys think? How do we go about doing that? Am I talking? Anybody? Phil, thank you. Mm-hmm. sure yeah he said kind of especially in light of everything going on right now the simple fact of treating humanity and creation with dignity and respect yeah that's bringing a glimpse of the kingdom here yeah what else guys are quiet. Oh, Renee, okay. The Zwirinks are killing it. Yeah, yeah, she's saying to really kind of soak in the moments, those behold moments that we encounter every day. They're every day, okay? You don't have to be in the mountains to encounter God. You don't have to be in the sea to encounter God, but to soak it in and view it as a gift and to kind of, what you're kind of saying is live in a state of awareness. God, make my radar, turn my radar on for just seeing how you're moving in the small moments in that conversation and that person's life, and the beauty of that flower, and that sunrise, sunset, whatever it might be. Good. Guys, more than anything, I hope today just helped create a sense of longing in your heart for what you have to look forward to. I hope for some of you, I'm in this mix that today might be kind of the start of a journey of curiosity, of reading, um, of what God has planned. For us as his followers, nothing you're going through right now, no heartache, no suffering, none of it can compare to what God has in store for those who love him. Christ is our hope now and forever. And may we learn to grasp the hope of what is to come and of what awaits us in God's eternal kingdom as that will one day be right here. On this present earth called the new earth i'm going to end by uh, reading a quote and then we'll wrap up the best we enjoy here great food relationships worship and culture is a mere foretaste of what awaits us on the new earth where we'll be without sin and death and curse in that world we will always see that god himself is the fountainhead of joy the blood-bought promise of the gospel is this we will live happily ever after with God, the source of all happiness. Amen? Let's pray together. God, you are so good. This, this stuff just seems too good to be true. Um, and thankfully, it is true. You've laid it out in Scripture. God, I pray that you would forgive us for having so, so often both of our eyes immersed in the here and now, never thinking, never believing, dreaming what you have planned for us for eternity. God, help us to filter our present pain and suffering with what's to come, with the hope you've given us laid out in Isaiah 11, Revelation 19, Revelation 21. God, help us to study, to become curious, For what you have planned for us, this this conversation has filled my heart with joy. It's really just kind of, it's changed my attitude and perspective in life. I'm so much more joyful now because I know this, this is not all there is. This is not all there is at all. There's so much, so much better, so much greater in store for me and for all of us who love you. God, help us to live in that every day. God, help us to live in a state of awareness. God, where we're just looking for you. In the small, everyday moments of our life that we just think are nothing or non-essential. Help us to see you in small conversation, on our drives to work, on the jog that we take, as we take a hike, whatever it might be. God, help us to see those little glimpses, God. And help, help those behold moments to just fill our hearts with worship towards you, God, as they're all just tastes of eternity and just um, signs of what's to come that we have looked forward to and to long to, uh, to long for. So God, we thank you for this time. Um, I pray that you would just be with us as we go our own way um, here in a few minutes. In Jesus' name, amen.